The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at first.io. I definitely found that. And what's really interesting is, you know, even though an individual agent would join a big organization like a Century 21, um, they're still a solo operator. And at the end of the day, they're responsible for their own business. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 141 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow. And if you have time, don't be afraid to head on over and leave a rating and a review because that helps us too, but I appreciate it. Um, today, I get to talk to uh, somebody who does one of the two things I wish I have wished for years I could do well. One is play an instrument. Like I really wish I could play the piano. I mean, I played the clarinet in junior high school band. Uh, that's all gone. But uh, the other is to write well. I'm a heavy user of Grammarly. You know, I, I, I have to play with a lot of uh, tools to make my writing as good as it can be. But someone who knows how to write, I mean, professionally write, like a copywriter, that's who we're going to talk to today. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to Lauren Walker. Lauren's the Senior Director of Account Strategy with Inman now. But, but we're going to talk about her writing career first. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's you know, you and I have known each other for a few years now. Uh, we met through Molly mm-hmm. McKinley, right? A mutual friend and acquaintance of ours. Well, actually, you worked with Molly yep, for we sure a number did. of years, yeah. So, um, and so, yeah, I know you're you're located in Durham. Are you a native of North Carolina? I am not. I am not a native North Carolinian. Uh, we moved down here in 2002 from New York, but I grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago. So I am oh. a Midwesterner. So I had some friends in Elmhurst. Were you near there? I was. Yeah, oh, okay. same train line. Okay, great, great. Yeah, so Chicagoans are fiercely, um, they love their teams. Uh, I always find people that grew up in that area are still Cubs fans. And you know, you, I'm just yep, wondering, yep. yeah, you had a great year last year, the year before. <laughs> when the Cubs yes. finally ended yes, the streak. did. I wasn't a vehement sports fan, but I will admit to knowing all the words to the Super Bowl shuffle. Okay. Now that's, I'm just going to assume you were very young when you, cause that's, that a, dates that's me, a, but <laughs> yeah, let's go with infant. Let's there you go. We'll go with that. That's perfect. Um, so you, you relocated to Raleigh for a reason. I think that, um, you know, my son lived there for a few years or a few months. I mean, it's, we got to visit him up there. Durham is just an amazing little downtown. Talk about, you know, why you chose to, 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 to live there, raise your family there. Sure. Um, I would come uh, down to North Carolina because my father had actually moved out here to start a company. And uh, I would come visit. I was living in New York at the time. And then I would fly back to New York feeling all full of myself. Can't wait to get back to the city. And then there was this little thing called 9-11. And I realized I need to not live in New York City anymore. And on a visit with my father, I was browsing the real estate section. And kind of fell out of my chair when I saw what we could afford <laughs> compared to New York. And we were getting married. 
And we said, wow, look at this weather. Look at these homes. Oh, my gosh. And the rest is history. We've been here ever since. Were you living in the city at the time of the attack? I was in uh, the Bronx um, okay. for a long time. So, yeah. So in and, in and around that area. Yeah. So, I mean, you're uh, thinking of the, the layout, you know, um, you know, the, the financial district where everything happened. You're maybe mm-hmm. eight to ten miles up into uh, up just across the river, but still just I can't. Yeah. Imagine. yeah. So so that makes perfect sense. So you're now you're down in, in Durham. You love it there. You really do. It's a great place. You have to pick a team. Are you Duke or UNC? See, it's funny. Um, I'm going to plead the fifth um, because it really depends on who I'm talking to, which of my friends uh, I'm in the room with, because I'm married to an Englishman and we are all about soccer. Oh, so. Or as I'm uh, maritally required to call it football. Football. Okay. So let's, let's go there. Your husband's team in the EPL is? Uh, Manchester United. Good, man. You, I, I, I have a jersey from the 1996 squad. Oh wow! Yeah. I'm thrilled to hear that. Yeah, he's yeah. a born and raised Mancunian. Wow! I will, uh, I will send a photo of the jersey. It's, a, I think the sponsor was Stanio that year. That'll date it for him. Yep, I think yeah. we might have one of those. <laughs> All right, so we'll we'll leave the uh, we'll leave the, the rivalry alone. <laughs> So let's, I mentioned in the opening how, you know, you're a copywriter and I, I just think that's a super cool, you know, profession. And, you know, because ultimately what you were trained to do is use words to get the desired result from people. Is that, do I have that right? I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and as a teenager, were you, were you up, were you passionate about writing? Was that something you were doing or was there other things Lauren wanted to do when she was in high school, let's say? Uh, high school, Lauren was definitely a writer. Um, I was very involved in theater, so I was writing a lot of scripts and performing. And then, um, so, so yeah, writing has always been a, a real part of my world since yeah. the get-go. And the fact that here I am uh, making a living as a writer is is really exactly what I wanted to do when I grew up. Yeah, that's a, a stroke of good fortune. It's It's a lot of hard work. Um, and you know, yeah, it's something to be super proud of, right? That, uh, that what you love to do, you're able to, you know, turn into a career, right? I'm very lucky. I'm definitely very lucky. Yeah. In your uh, bio, as I looked through it, you went to or graduated from Sarah Lawrence college in New York. And I, I have to be, um, brutally honest here. I've heard that name many, many times. And it may be because it was somebody f- famous who graduated from Sarah Lawrence college, but talk about the decision to go there from because you're obviously living in Chicago and you're going to head to the city mm-hmm. and, and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of give us a layout of the college and just what the life is like there. Sarah Lawrence is a very small liberal arts college. There were 800 undergrad when I was there and that appealed to me. I did not want the big university experience and I didn't know what I wanted to study. So I knew I needed liberal arts. I wanted to be able to dabble in some theater and really kind of explore my way and Sarah Lawrence was a great place for that. In fact, I started out as a theater major and ended up as a religion major. So, <laughs> but the great thing about the curriculum there is everything comes back to writing. Uh, you're not going to get through any course without doing a heavy, heavy amount of writing. And so that definitely honed my ability to, to craft a story. Yeah, critical thinking. Writing. I mean, a Absolutely. typical a typical liberal arts college kind of yeah. background. Yeah, which which prepares you for anything in life. Yes, I graduated with a, a job. I had my first job at Reader's Digest, 
Um, and I got that job a week before graduation. Wow. I'm sure when you tell people that you, you had a, you worked for Reader's Digest, that everyone has a story. And I mean, for me, yes. it's my grandma's house. She, they were showing up in the mail regularly and I would read drama in real life. And then I would go to the humor page because there was a section. And I don't know if you're a big Reader's Digest reader when you were younger, but um, that had to be kind of cool, I would think. It was cool in that everyone recognized it. It's right. really nice to work for something people know. It was funny because the next sentence would often be, I always read that in the bathroom <laughs> um, because everyone keeps their Reader's Digest in the bathroom. People and then Reader's Digest. Yes, right. exactly. And then I'd have to explain that I didn't actually work for the magazine. I worked for the marketing department. And uh, when I first started, my job was to write the things that came in the mail and said, hey, you may already be a winner. So I was in sweepstakes. It wasn't my proudest moment. <laughs> now, once again, I'm going to go back to the copywriting thing. You were writing, you know, um, pieces that were going out in the mail that were trying to get a desired action out of somebody, which was to sign up or to go to check on this, or I don't know if it was quite a website at that time, but what were they, what were you asking? No, them there was nothing digital. Um, so what's interesting is I started out with the, the team that was testing. I don't know if you're familiar with the fact that Reader's Digest used to have a huge division of books and music and tapes, I guess, VHS tapes at the time, collections of things, you know, music collections, book collections. So I worked with the team that would market those. But of course, they wanted to know that there was a significant enough audience. And so we would write test cases. So it would be a proposed collection of Frank Sinatra hits um, that I would write a huge brochure and a four, four page long form letter about and everything's in future tense because it didn't actually exist. Wow. So if they got enough orders, they would produce the piece. And if they didn't, they would send a note to the four souls that ordered it and said, sorry. Wow. That's that interesting. Was, yeah. That's, that was what I got to do. Wow. That, so that's your first gig out of college. Lying to people for a living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. You, how long were you there? I was at Reader's Digest for two and a half years. Okay. And then... So around 2000, you decide to start your own marketing and design firm with your husband, right? Uh, Walker Interactive. I did. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. So my husband was a self-taught web designer Okay. and he taught himself this little program called Flash, mm. which in the year 2000 was the big thing. Yep. And he got certified by then Macromedia and we teamed up because... I could write, he can design, together we can make these crazy things called websites. Can you give us a, an example of, or a couple of maybe a companies that you, you created websites for? They don't have to be big, they could have been local, but what are some of the industries you were Yeah, in? we really ran the gamut. We okay. would work mostly for solopreneurs, independent you know, people who are kind of hanging their own shingle. But then once we moved to North Carolina, we actually tapped into a client who represented a lot of Olympic athletes. And we ended up designing websites for some pretty big names, including, as he was known then, Bruce Jenner. Oh. Um, and then yeah. also uh, Nastya Lukin, an Olympic gymnast. And then a couple other folks uh, just like that. Also, you did some time as a consultant, right? I did. Yeah. So IBM is one of your customers um, that you consulted with. What were you doing for them? 
So I was a contractor at IBM for 13 years. Um, It was kind of like dating for 13 years and never getting the proposal um, (laughs) because they just would refuse to make me an IBMer. But that probably is what let me stay there as long as I did, because that was a tumultuous time in the company. Uh, They were constantly laying people off. But as a contractor, I managed to avoid that. And I started with a marketing team that was writing uh, really tech-heavy white papers and and things like that for the software and hardware products that IBM was selling at the time. And I kind of got noticed for my headlines and got pulled into this little team that was starting out because they were trying to do some more things with IBM.com, with the homepage of the company. And I was there at the beginning of this team that started. And so we became kind of the, the front gate um, crafting copy and, and helping kind of set the tone for all of IBM.com. I wonder when you're, so you're on the digital side of things in, as a contractor for IBM and they, they've got, I mean, IBM has this, had a massive presence in, you know, on, on TV and uh, print and all these other things. Are you, do you get to collaborate with all the different, uh, I guess, verticals? Sure. Often. Yeah. Yes. Um, but a lot of that creative was done by agencies. Um, And so it wasn't even in-house, but we would get handed down like, okay, here's our theme. We're built the the, the smarter planet theme, for example. Um, They would kind of hand off some of that creative and we would spin that out. So, um, but then also the various business units within IBM wanted to feature what they were doing on the homepage. And so I became more like an editor uh, curating and creating that content. And all this work is kind of done remotely, right? It was. I did start going into the office here in the uh, Research Triangle Park area, but then IBM said, no more overhead, everybody go home. Okay. <laughs> you probably weren't that, <laughs> they, you weren't, you, you weren't that upset. <laughs> I was not heartbroken. Yeah. Uh, that's when I really learned to work remotely, and I think they have since um, changed that entire tactic. They're pulling everybody back into offices, which I think is a big mistake. But yeah, so for the majority of my time at IBM, I think over half of it was remote. And so up until this point in your career, I don't see any kind of real estate. Am I right? You are correct. All right. But then uh, where I met you for the first time, you were working um, with AdWorks. And that's uh, Jed Jed Carlson's company, still doing great. In fact, I'm a client. We're using their stuff down in Lee County to uh, expand expand some exposure for one of our new branches we opened. So I'm I'm running ads for... Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, an escrow officer we hired. Then I rotate in one of the sales reps. And just pushing it in front of a whole bunch of realtors down there and getting tons of impressions and clicks. It's been, it's really fun to watch it work. Yeah. So let's, let's talk, let's talk about that move from corporate America because with doing what you did with IBM and even with the marketing company building the websites, it's way different working in the world of real estate. So I'd love to hear for you some of the biggest challenges that you found, you know, when you were trying to message, you know, properly out to real estate professionals. Sure. I had a lot of learning to do um, to understand who is this audience? What do they need? And what I found very quickly was I know these people. These are entrepreneurs. Um, These are solo business owners. I've been working for them my entire professional career here practically. And so what I needed to do was just at least get fluent in their language, in what they needed. Um, and so once I was able to kind of do that, and I, you know, I do that by doing homework. I read a lot and I would in- do exactly what you do, Bill, is I interview people and get to know them and the pains that they're facing, what are their challenges. 
Um, so in that sense, I kind of came prepared, but then understanding the nuances of real estate was definitely something I needed to uh, to ramp up when I, I came to AdWork. I've been calling realtors um, startups lately when I talk to them in different groups. I said, you're all, <laughs> you're all your own little company. You started up your own little operation. And uh, you, so you have to do, you have to think that way, right? You have to be this Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think you see some expressions like, yeah, you're right. Um, because the mega teams mm-hmm. that are out there, we know about it. Everyone knows, you know, the, the Ben Kinney's and, and, uh, you know, the Brent Tanner's and the Jason Abrams are some amazing people doing amazing stuff, but that's less yeah. than a, what, a 10th of a percent of, of, uh, of real estate. It's made up of, of, you know, people trying to do their best <laughs> to, uh, to, yeah. to, to, to succeed in a business that's not the easiest business to succeed in. Is that, you, you found that I over think time? That's fair. Yeah. I definitely found that. And what's really interesting is, you know, even though an individual agent would join a big organization like a Century 21, um, they're still a solo operator. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they're responsible for their own business. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about what you're doing now because this, this is exciting news. Um, this just, I just found this out maybe a month ago from the time we're recording yeah, this episode. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've recently, uh, you took a new position with Inman News. Uh, the title is Senior Director of Account Strategy. But first of all, first of all, you're working from Durham, right? I am still that's working how, remotely, which is awesome. That's how Brad works, right? And, yeah. And so t- tell us about your role and what you're doing, um, there now. So my role is, I feel like it's custom made for me. Um, it was a position that didn't exist. And then I spoke with Emily Lettig from the sales team. And she said, you know, we're looking for somebody to fill a gap that we have where we're talking with sponsors, we're talking with advertisers, and they want to invest. They want to do some things at Inman Connect. But sometimes they can't connect the dots. You know, they have their own marketing, they have their own messaging, but what should they do to be most effective at Inman? And that's where I come in, which is so exciting to me because it's it's doing exactly what I love to do, which is solving that problem and using, um, you know, creative, strategic creativity to help them do that and say, okay, what's your story? What's your goal? Who's your audience? How can Inman help you? And how can we do that with your dollars that you're spending at Connect or with this sponsored content. So that's that's my role, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, so you're, you're never going to be doing the same thing twice. You're talking about, uh, let's call it completing the puzzle, right? Connecting yeah, all those. I think that's accurate, yeah. yeah. That's cool. And I'm, so I'm, you know, I'm helping the sales team, and so we're working together to kind of give them a, a little bit of an advantage and get them some tools to better communicate the value of Inman to its sponsors um, but mostly it's, it's working directly with the sponsors. And, and you're right. There's, there's going to be a lot of variety, which is really, really fun. I know you've been in the business now. Is it four or five years? Or am I a little long on that? Maybe pretty close. In real estate? Yeah, yeah. going on five years. Going on five years. I talk a lot on this podcast and in, in when I talk to people out in the, in the real world about the value and importance of relationships. And I'm sure that you've <laughs> discovered that in the world of real estate, talk about a little bit, you know, how important they are for you. I know that you've met a lot of people that you're going to be able to um, have direct contact now with your new role at Inman. I'm sure that's going to be just huge. So talk, talk about that part of the business. It's, 
amazing how that does permeate. It's not just agents, you know, that need to have relationships. It's folks like you. It's folks like me that because we're getting to know each other on a personal level. You know, this is real estate is phenomenally intimate um, in an industry setting, which is really interesting. So, yeah, the fact that I've through AdWorks and then I was at Rolola for a little while, I was able to really meet so many different people from agents to other vendors as well. Um, and it's actually kind of a small pool. It's everyone knows everyone. And um, especially thanks to, you know, the Facebook groups and things like that. Um, it's really great to kind of be on something of a first name basis with these really smart people. Yeah, you've, I, you are a veteran of many Inman Connects, you know, prior to your role with Inman. Mm-hmm. This will be a different mm-hmm. one. This will be a different one for you in San Francisco, won't it? It'll be completely different. I mean, it'll be the same, but different. And I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait for it. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I was honored again to be chosen as an ambassador. So I'm fired up. I can't wait. Uh, it's 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 definitely the, my favorite event of the year. There's no doubt about it. And uh, and I can't wait to see you and Ma, there'll be a lot of people I could say hi to. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can't wait to um, you know be there as something of an insider now, you yeah. know, which is really exciting for me. That's cool. I want to ask you some questions about your writing and, and, and just writing in general in this industry. The first one is, um, you know, it's, it's just a simple question. Is blogging dead? Uh, simple answer. No. Good. That's what I wanted to hear. And then, so because <laughs> I, when I come across somebody that I'm talking to and we're talking about what they're doing, their online presence and you know how they're trying to tell their story. Um, some people say, I just hate writing. And I'm like, great. Don't write. Don't write. You're, that's okay. Exactly. But you'll do something else. But when, when I come across that, it is almost a unicorn. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Lauren, very few people love to write. But when I get somebody that says they love to write, I go, then why aren't you not writing daily? I mean, just start creating content. How should I be yeah. pushing that person down that path? You know, what should they be doing? I would say, yeah, it's a great question. And it's something I see too. Um, if you find someone, even if they say they don't like writing, I think you can find other ways for them to capture their own voice. And as a producer of a podcast, you'll appreciate this. I find the most underused tool that's on everybody's phone is the voice memo app. Mm, I love that. How easy is it? I mean, you, you go, you do this with your you know, thoughts on a walk. You just go out and start talking. And if people just open up their voice memo app and start talking about what they're doing that day. What's exciting to them in their area? What, what, what gets them up in the morning? Uh, there's so much content to be created and so much value to be offered. And if you'd rather do that visually, if you love Instagram, if you're always taking pictures, do it that way. That's a way to tell a story. Um, I think the story is, is absolutely the most important part. And however you want to tell it, tell it that way. My word for 2018 has been conversations. You know, when I talk to people... Mm-hmm. Um, you, they need to be talking to people about real estate and, and the way they can do more of that is by simply talking to people about things, their community, what's going on, you know, in the neighborhood, what's happening uh, at the yeah. school, right? That's all those conversations mm-hmm. you have and lead to ultimately the, the, the place you want to be, especially if you're good at what you do. Right. But if you're not having those yeah. conversations, you can't, you can't do that. Agreed. And I know, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is, is a big figure in real estate. And but I, what I love that he says is you're not creating, you're documenting. Yeah. And that 
that takes the pressure off because people think, oh, I'm not a creator. I'm not creative. You know, and they say it with that emphasis, like it's a disease. Like, I don't have that disease. But you, <laughs> all you do is document, you know, what'd you do today? Who'd you meet with? Where'd you go? Why did it matter? And, and think, about, think about sharing it that way. Right. There are some really good writers in the real estate space. And I know you know a bunch of them. And I know it would put you on the spot and say, let's just talk about who writes well. But let's talk about some of the content creators because it's been a big part of your focus, you know, since you've been in the industry. Who are some of your favorite people? Yeah, we, you know, we can look at the different um, angles. We got people that are uh, that are using audio, people that are writing, people that are using video. Mm -hmm. who, who, who jumps mm -hmm. out right away? You know, there's a couple people that I've that have caught my eye and that I keep paying attention to. I think Valerie Garcia is doing amazing things, um, both in video and in written form, and helping teach other people to to embrace their story and be a storyteller. I think that's one of the most exciting things happening right now. Um, of course, there's this guy you might know, Sean Carpenter. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> who Carp. is? It, you gotta know Carp, and he's he's a great example of just, you know, being as authentic as you possibly can. And, you know, I love his conversation starters on social, you know, where he says, hey, name a song with a city in it. Or, you know, here's this longer form piece where, you know, he's talking about his favorite servers and things like that. I just think he's a great example for anybody to follow if they want to get a, a feel for how to be a storyteller. Gosh, who else? I love Deborah Trapin. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's doing some really great stuff. And, um, you know, I, I follow Thousand Watt very closely because I think they are at the 30,000 foot mark and really helping to to frame issues in a, in a really beautiful way for anybody. And, you know, though that's just in real estate. Uh, I strongly feel that you shouldn't limit yourself just to influencers in real estate, you know, otherwise you're just going to be a copy of somebody and you're looking for originality. So, you know, think about going outside. If you're looking for somebody, you know, to follow or be inspired by, you do not have to be limited by the vertical. So can I ask you for some of your favorites outside of real estate? I'll start with one. I mean, for me, uh, a regular listen for me is Tim Ferriss. He just mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. cool interview style uh, and brings out all, and, and, and then go, will go off on his own, you know, thoughts about what he did as a, as an investor, as a uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. A great guy to listen to that has nothing to do with real estate. There's, um, there's a guy who's really active on Twitter and he has a great podcast called unthinkable. Um, his name is Jay Akunzo. I love his podcast. Uh, that's really, really inspiring. And then, you know, there's actually, there's a, a, an email newsletter called The Hustle, and it's run by a guy named Sam Parr. And that writing style is just gold to me. There's, it's funny, it's snarky, but it's also really, really well informed. That's kind of a, a male perspective of the daily skim, right? Yeah. Is that kind of what happened yeah. here? I would say it's more the startup perspective, okay. less so gendered, okay. um, because actually one of their main writers is a woman named Lindsay. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very similar to the skim. I, and I used to subscribe to the skim, but I, I found it a little too fluffy. But the hustle was more about startups and about industry and kind of what's happening in the tech world. That's a great tip for anybody listening. That, sign up for that email. They're, they're quick, easy reads, right? 
you know, it might be a couple, a couple paragraphs on a topic and they, they kind of hit the, the, the trends, what, what's happening in the world, but, but a really different spin. Yeah, that's, that's a great. And what I love what they do is you can go deeper. You know, if they, if they say something you're interested in, there's a link to go deeper. Right. Um, but you don't necessarily have to. They're going to give you the meat up front. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Well, well, Lauren, I've had you here the half hour that I that I asked of you. And so I think, you know, what's coming next. It's the <laughs> it's the same question I've asked 140 other times to every guest. And, and that's if. If you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? I love that question. And my answer would be um, work backwards. I would say, think about what your goal is. What do you want to have happen? Who do you want to be in the industry? And then work backwards to identify what you need to do to make that happen. Because I I often see um, agents, you know, in some of the, the Facebook groups and social media, just kind of like, where do I start? You know, how do I boil this ocean? And that's going to be a blocker for anybody. But if you say, you know what I really want to be? I want to be the agent that everyone in my neighborhood knows about. Or I want to be the agent that dominates this downtown area. Well, that's great. You just identified the goal. Now work backwards. What do you need to do to make that happen? An answer that has not been given in 140 previous episodes. Well wow, done. <laughs> well done. No, that's great. I love that. Lauren, in, in your new role at Inman, if somebody wanted to reach out to you for, I don't know, a sponsorship opportunity or just to chat with you, <laughs> what's the best? <laughs> yeah, way to absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at, at, um, at insert copy here. And I'm Lauren at Inman.com. Yeah, my, one of my favorite Twitter handles, by the way, for, for people listening, at insert copy here, which must have been some kind of thing that was always done by by the graphic people because they had no idea what always. to write, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is where you go. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Exactly. Lauren, I I, I can't thank you for uh, enough for spending some time with us today. I I can't wait to see you in San Francisco and, and, and congratulations on what you're doing. It'll be fun to watch it. And for anyone that's hung around this long, Please, please go to Inman.com. Check out Connect in San Francisco. Don't be afraid to use promo code Bill to save a little bit of money. Uh, and if you are listening to this, you are coming to San Francisco, make sure you reach out to me. I'll buy you a beer, and I'll introduce you to Lauren Walker. How's that? Sound good? That sounds good to me. Sounds <laughs> great. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you, Lauren.